I feel, I feel like, like I don't actually need to preach anymore. That was entire service. So goodbye, everyone. Follow the ushers out. Just kidding. You don't get off that easy. Um, can, can I get, get one more round of applause and ASL applause for my friend Gabby, Pastor Gabby, as well as my really good friend Daniel, who blessed us with that incredible rendition of Chopin. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we've already had a great range of dynamics today with the sense of hearing, haven't we? Yeah, that's, you know, surprise what we're going to talk about. But to introduce myself again, my name is January, for those of us joining us here in person for the first time or online. Welcome, I'm the worship vice pastor here, and per usual, it is my great privilege and very scary, anxiety-inducing honor to give the word today. Um, I don't know about you, but I've really been enjoying this Awakening the Senses series. Have you? And, and I feel, yes, yes, okay. And feel free to, to talk out loud today because that's how I jive, right? That's my vibe. But I really enjoy the fact that we're not actually aiming to highlight one sense above the other. We're not trying to exclude anyone. But we're realizing, we're recognizing that week by week, it's only when we wholly experience and encounter God that we taste the riches of the fair. It's, it's not, not just about one sense, but it's about the wholeness of it all. And that being said, today, as artists, as musicians, you know, I grabbed this topic. I wanted today to focus on the audibles of God, what it means to hear from God, and how the Holy Trinity speaks like we just experienced in a myriad of different ways, from silences to full-throttle cries, and what that means for us in our lives as believers, as God's children. You guys ready? All right. If, if I go along, just, you know, know shut me out. Um, let's, let's go ahead with our sound lab. I'll have Linda. I'm going to have her play uh, a series of, uh, of sounds. And what, what I'd like for us to do, right, it's going to be a little scary, is just shout out the first association that comes to your mind. Just shout it out. I'm not going to pick on you. Don't raise your hands. Just call it out. It's not hard. Okay? Linda, let's go ahead and play the first sound. Sound? You know, it's not as fun Growing up, I had a bunch of these children's Bible cassette tapes. I've alluded to them before. God was always a deep British voice with very great reverb. Or maybe some of us hear God through soundscapes, waves, thunderstorms, noises, right, that we hear in nature. Or maybe God is a silent God. 
And we're going to talk about that because one of my favorite instances of identification with God and sound comes from the story of Elijah. And before we come to the text, I want to set the scene a little bit. Elijah was kind of, uh, he was kind of a crazy bro, right? He was a larger than life prophet and he went through a lot. And going into this text, he has just won an incredible battle against the Baal worshipers, the idol worshipers of his day. So much so that the monarchs of the time, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, won to kill him, right? And so Elijah is is, is on the run for his life. He runs into the desert. He's never felt more dejected, rejected by his own community. He is tired. He's exhausted. And he wants to die. Even in the midst of being at the center of much of God's activity, he wants to die. And this is where we go into the text of 1 Kings chapter 19. There he, Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then the great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God appears in a gentle whisper. In fact, some of the biblical interpretations say God came in sheer silence. Kind of out of character, right? For the almighty, omnipotent God. He came in sheer silence. And why? Well, first, I believe, right? And we've all experienced this. When there is a string of loud noises and then all of us and there's silence, there's a particular, very distinct type of holy, reverential fear right, that marks that silence. And I can give you an illustration from my life. Growing up, my uncle, who's also a pastor, I just, you know, our family breeds pastors, I guess. My uncle, who is a pastor, would come over, right, and my bedroom was on the second floor, and he would just be chilling in the living room. Now, my mom, when she calls me, she always calls me by my Korean name, which is Yujong. She goes, Yujong, right? She screams. She's like, come get your dinner, practice violin, do your homework, Yujong. But my uncle would just simply say, Yujong. And from second floor, I would run downstairs because this holy fear would strike me, right? And that's why when the kid is throwing a tantrum and the parent just looks at the child and goes, one, two, the, you know, the kid stops screaming. There's a sense of holy fear. So I think God is trying to approach Elijah really in an emphatic way that marks the spot where God is. I'm here. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Secondly, Elijah, like I said, has been through torment after torment after torment. His life is filled with episodes of trauma, right? And so I believe there's a a really intentional purpose as to why God appears in silence. Because God wants to separate himself from the chaos that Elijah has been experiencing all his life. God is saying to Elijah, I am the absence of chaos. I am the absence of fire. I am the absence of earthquake. I'm the absence of windstorms. I am the absence of destruction. 
And I have to wonder that in that absence, Elijah was able to find some way to calm the inner turmoil and the rage that was reigning over his heart. And when that happens, God says, ah, now we're ready to have a conversation. Now we're ready to talk. Elisha, what are you doing here? You know, we're going through a global catastrophe, right? And I think it's natural for us to seek out answers, to pursue God in ways that are louder, that are greater, than bigger than the things that we are experiencing. Sure, why not? We need God to be a savior. But what if in that pursuit, we're actually missing divine revelation altogether? What if we're just skipping over divine silences, quiet moments, where God is inviting us to just rest, to realign ourselves, to assess our wounds, see where we're bleeding? What if we are mistakenly identifying holy silence as an emptiness of God's presence? Family of God, I invite you today, let's pray that the Lord awakens our senses, awakens our ability to hear the pockets of grace, the mercies that reign over these quieter, gentle, still moments. And as we're doing so, we might be able to hear God say, beloved, let's talk. Let's have a conversation now. Another thing I love about sound, wow, that voice cracked, something else. Another thing I love about sound is that more than kind of any other particular sense, I feel like it draws out a visceral, emotional response, right? I mean, this is why scary movies are crazy. In fact, the Quiet Place series really capitalizes on this, right? A sudden noise, a clap will make you jump. An eerie creaking door will make the hairs rise on top of your arms, right? And we react this way. Because God designed us this way. And I have to believe if God designed me this way, then God also has some very visceral, very knee-jerk, very emotional responses to the sounds that his creation makes. Rational, logical, right? And so we see this kind of displayed, especially in the final moments of Jesus hanging on the cross. Let me refer you to the scripture again from Matthew chapter 27. It says, at about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Skipping a few verses, then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also open and many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And after his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. And now when the centurion and those with them were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly, this man was God's son. Right, Jesus was scourged, he was whipped, he was beaten, he was humiliated, he was undergoing this process of the crucifixion for endless hours, and yet he doesn't go away with a gentle sigh of life. He literally takes his last breaths to cry out to God, Eli, Eli, Lord, why have you forsaken me? And it's his last defiant act against the powers of death. And you know what happens? I love this. God has a volatile reaction. 
You know what God does? God says, you know, I'm going to do away with the boundary, the holy symbol representation of the boundary between me and humanity. I'm going to rip that apart. The holy veil in the temple of Jerusalem rips from top to bottom. And then the spiritual realm goes crazy. Prophets who are dead, they say, are raised to life. The spiritual realm is having a heyday. And then the earth can't help but respond because the centurion and everybody who saw, witnessed what was going on, could not do anything except say, God is here. This is God's son. We see that the heavens and the earth has a visceral, emotional, knee-jerk reaction to the sound, to the cries of Jesus. Raise your hands if you're tired from this pandemic. I'll be the first one to say, yep, that's pretty much everyone in the house. Online, you know, put out an emoji or something, right? Like, I'm exhausted. I'll be the first one to say that I'm burnt out. I'm sure the pastoral staff is very tired of hearing that from me, right? Right? And so this is, this is, I get it. We feel like we've been whipped. We feel like we've been probably trapped We feel isolated, alone. We feel like we have to repress so many things, hang on to them, be a good sport. So many things are going wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if we feel more disconnected from the church and more forgotten by God than we ever have in our previous lives, right? But can we somehow find a reason, somehow somehow find courage to offer up what seemingly feels like our final breaths, right, in this moment. That's being a little dramatic, but you know what I mean? Like, this is all I've got left right now, God. Lord, are you here? Are you listening? Are you there in my illness? Like what Gabby was sharing, are you here in my broken relationships? Because I've been with my partner for like all of the past year and a half and I want to kill this person. Uh, are you here with me in, the, in all of the ways that I feel isolated and I don't know where my career is going? Are you there in my grief over the friends and families that have lost during this time. You know, I have a cat. My favorite slide. Oh, so cute. This is Macchiato. She's espresso with a dash of cream. Get it? Anyway, this is Macchiato. Macchiato, I'm so blessed to have rescued a very chatty cat. She's like really friendly. So she'll bring over her prey, which is um, my hair tie. And she'll just like drop it in front of me. She'll meow because she wants that validation, that affirmation, right? But also Maki Otto meows when she's feeling a little bit sick. She has a particular projectile vomit sound, right? And so I could be cooking in the kitchen. I could be watching Netflix. I could be singing a song. The second I hear that little bit of this weird meow, this funky meow, I drop everything. I grab my Myers antibacterial spray, a roll of paper towels, and I'm ready. I'm ready to pick up some cat vomit and make sure that my little Maki is feeling okay, right? And that's coming from a very burnt out, tired cat mom. Okay, how much more will God be moved? How much more will God grab his divine antibacterial spray and his fluffy roll of paper towels to make sure that our messes are cleaned up, to make sure that we're doing okay? God cannot help but be moved by the cries of his children. So family, today my exhortation to you is, are you crying out? Or are you a faint of heart? 
can we find courage somewhere? And also, it's the call of the church to go beyond our own personal lanes, right? Because we are called to be the body of Christ. And what does Christ do? Christ calls out on behalf of the world. So are we sitting here being like, oh, our church is barely surviving. We just have to kind of, you know, gird our loins and, and make sure we stay quiet and stick to our lane. Or are we crying on behalf of the world, on behalf of the forsaken, on behalf of the forgotten? We don't do social justice because we want to be good people. But we do it because that's what Jesus does and that's what Jesus calls us to do. And I have to believe that as the church cries out, we literally revive the spirit of Christ that so many people have deemed as dead within the church. We bring back to life the spirit of Christ that people say no longer exists within these walls, within the evangelical world. We have to. We have to cry out. Oh, that felt pretty quick because I'm almost at my last point. Um, the last, obviously, player. We talked about God. We talked about Jesus. Who's the third player? The Holy Spirit, yes. And so imagine... Right. So you, you imagine the group of these scraggly disciples and, the, and these men and women who are, you know, they've, they've seen Jesus leave them. And they're just all gathered in a room. They're like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? And then God's just like, I got you. Because then God sends a powerful, tangible reminder that God is speaking through the Holy Spirit. That God's presence is so palpable that we can hear it. And so I want to refer you to this chapter from Acts, Acts, this very famous chapter that we read on every Pentecost. And it says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation, every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Everyone from everywhere was speaking every one's languages. This is how the Holy Spirit chose to speak. It wasn't just a God language this time. It wasn't just in a group of monocultural people, but it was a community of diverse tongues. You know, when we sing all who are thirsty, when we sing in Spanish or Korean or any other language, it's not for the sake of, you know, just singing diverse tongue. It's because we believe we're leaning into the muscles in which we truly trust the Holy Spirit is speaking. And this is why we do that, right? And the thing is, it's not just about language. It's not just about language, right? Because everyone from everywhere. So what does this mean? Different cultural codes, different expectations, different relational dynamics, different priorities, different ethics, different theologies. And Evergreen, we know that is a very very difficult calling to be able to sit across the table from somebody who is so different from us that may hold a host, a myriad of different theological ideas and beliefs and to do life together. It comes at a cost and we have been experiencing this, haven't we? 
through our Family Ties series, series, through our journey towards inclusion. But also, when I sit here and think about the almost 100 years that Evergreen has been through, we have been through world wars, goodness sake, right? Like, we have been through so much. And this has been, thankfully, fortunately, and I'm so grateful to say this, an embodiment of what it means to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to take one moment, first of all, to give ourselves a little, you know, pat on the back, right? Like, good job, everyone. It's been really hard. We want to name that. But also, I want to humbly challenge us. Can we continue to put ourselves in the center of this beautiful, diverse array, this cacophony of, of saints and angels, those who have come before us, those who are with us now, those who will come in the future. Can we place ourselves in the middle of this beautiful chorus that is being conducted by God and make some holy noise, believing that the Lord is the one empowering us to speak truth to one another? Quite literally, I need you to survive. And so I want to invite the worship team back up. And as we respond, I want to ask you all today, where are you at in the spectrum of dynamics of needing to hear from God? Are you really just in need to get away? Do we need the kind, gentle whispers of God's presence to overwhelm us? Do we need to sit in that? For my like introverts, this is like glory, hallelujah, right? Or do we need somehow to find it in ourselves to find a corner and just scream it all out? An act of defiance against death. And as we head into this future of Evergreen, as we've talked about, we don't want things to look the same. We don't want things to be the, the way that it was. We're looking for newness. We're looking for a, a fresh new journey. Can we become a community? Can you imagine a community where we're not afraid to press into being uncomfortable, of things being lost in translation, of people even sometimes leaving us because they're like, this is not the place for me. Can we risk it all to find a home, to build a house of God where the Spirit is speaking in the most foreign and most crazy and most awe-inspiring ways? I really want that for us. I really want that for us. Let's continue to worship. <laughs> 